Last week, we thought about love, 1 Corinthians 13. And it's interesting that that chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, falls between chapter 12 and chapter 14. And both of those chapters are to do with the gifts. But they're right in the middle, this chapter on love. And that's because love is the summit. Love is the goal. Love is the context and the milieu of the gifts that we exercise. Not either or, not one over the other. It's not we're aiming for love and then the gifts will go away. In the church today, we are to seek and we are to exercise these gifts, which are themselves evidences of God's love. And we're to do it in a loving way so that people know that they are loved. I want to underline this point that the gifts of the Spirit are to reveal the love of God for individuals. That's why he gives them. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at the nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and I divided them into two categories, gifts of revelation and gifts of demonstration. Gifts that reveal something about God and his word that he wants to speak to someone and gifts that demonstrate his love and his power. And of course, the demonstration gifts are also um, gifts in which God is speaking because his action is itself speech. It is communication. But this evening, we're thinking about these prophetic um, revelation gifts, supernatural preternatural knowledge that God gives to you to speak for someone else that they can feel loved by God. God is not mute. A.W. Tozer, preacher of an older generation, said, God is by nature continuously articulate. He's always speaking. He speaks a word that transforms and a word that mediates his grace and his love and his power and his direction. All of these words, as Gemma so beautifully um, presented just in her manner and in the content of what she said, are words from the heart of God because he loves us and wants to guide us. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Now, God speaks primarily through Jesus, perfectly through Jesus. And Jesus is recorded in the Bible. I love that Gemma said he speaks to me mainly in the Bible. That's where God speaks to us normatively. But the Bible itself tells us that God speaks outside of the Bible. He speaks in creation. He speaks through our consciences. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through preaching. He speaks through situation and circumstance and he speaks through these gifts and we're just going to work quickly through them we're going to tic-tac through them and the revelation gifts as I said they are interpretation of tongues we remember that tongues is a gift given to me to talk to God and to bless God but another gift is given whereby what I say cannot just be directed to God but to others and can be interpreted and then there are words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, and the discerning of spirits. We haven't got long, but I'm just going to race through these, and then we're going to pray that God 
gives us these gifts and we can begin to start exercising them straight afterwards and throughout the coming week. And let's remember that God gives you a gift for someone else. It's, it's not a gift just for you. This is the way God works in his body, the church. He blesses you to bless someone else because he wants to bless them. He blesses you with a gift to bless someone else because he wants to bless them. Okay, interpretation of tongues. Now, tongues is an unknown language that is gifted to us when we're filled with the Spirit. Some say it's the voice of angels. We don't know whether that's just Paul being hyperbolic or poetic, but it is a special language given to us whereby we can pray, transcending our minds and our thoughts, but it's as if our spirit prays and communes with God and teaches us to pray and releases us in praise. Uh, but that word given to me, and it's the only one amongst the nine that are just for me, that word can be used not just for me to talk to God, but can be turned outwards and a means and a vehicle for God to talk to others. Now, there's no New Testament interpretation uh, example of this. I don't think Acts 2 at Pentecost is relevant. That seems to be special current languages that are being spoken by people. But this is a gift, not of trans where someone has a translation, but where someone is given interpretation. So the person with the gift of tongues feels moved in the church to speak out, not to speak to God, not that God's up there, but not speak in prayer and praise to God, but to a burden to speak their language in tongues out, a message. And then someone else, sometimes more than one, they then, even as that word is going out in tongues, they receive a kind of interpretation, suddenly an impression, a thought, an understanding of what those words that are being spoken mean comes into their mind. And then they are led. And so God, God's like having a party. God is giving one person a supernatural gift of tongues. Then he's giving another person a supernatural gift of interpretation of tongues. They speak it out and everyone is blessed. It's a kind of party in which God is imparting truth and blessing his people. What a wonderful thing. There's a very famous theologian of another generation, one of my heroes called Tom Smale. And when he was a young student, he was really quite conservative. He wasn't sure what he thought about all the gifts. But at one meeting, he felt this, this growing burden to speak out a word in tongues. Until then, that gift he'd had, it just was between him and God. But in this public meeting, he felt he should speak it out. So nervously, he stood up, said, I feel like I've got a, a word in tongues. And he spoke the word just briefly over in this unknown language to the, those who were gathered. And immediately someone stood up and said that they had an interpretation that as Tom spoke, thoughts and words and a sense came into their mind. And the person just stood up and said, my spirit flows from the cross and leads to the cross. Beautiful. My spirit flows from the cross and leads to the cross. And it was a really important moment for Tom because he was just coming into things of the spirit. He wasn't sure if he even really was on board, but this confirmed it. 
because he was a really serious Irish theologian. And here was a word, my spirit flows from the cross, leads to the cross. Tom Smell knew he was all in then. In fact, he was a Scottish theologian, not an Irish one. But that's interpretation of tongues. And Paul says this, if you've got the gift of tongues, and he said, I want everyone to speak in tongues, to seek it, then ask God also that you can have interpretation so that the gift can not just be for you to talk to God, but through you, God talking to others. And then there's the gift of the discernment of spirits. This is not natural intuition or kind of deductive reasoning based on experience. It's a spiritual intuition, which enables you to understand the spirit that is working in a person or a place. It says in 1 John 4, beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. For there are many false prophets that have gone out. So this is the gift that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, needed to differentiate and weigh. Gemma helpfully earlier on said, test these things. Well, how do you test them? You test them against scripture. You test them against the, 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 the model of Christ. You test the fruit of them, whether they're encouraging and so on. But God can give us a spirit, a gift to test the spirits. I think we see this in Jesus in Matthew 16. Peter, Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? And the disciples say, oh, some say John the Baptist, some say the prophet, some say Elijah, some say, and Jesus says, who do you say? And Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This isn't revealed to you by men, but this is revealed to you by my father. So Jesus saw that Peter was speaking with a revelation from God. Then the next minute, Jesus says, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. They're going to crucify me. Three days later, I'll rise again. And Peter takes him aside and says, Jesus, not a bit of it. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. One minute, Peter can speak inspired by the father. Next minute, Peter speaks inspired by the devil. Human spirits, evil spirits, the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they can all appear the same. Peter probably thought he was listening to the same one. We need the gift of discernment to know what, the, what is going on. In my own experience, some years ago, um, I, this was uh, exercised by a friend of mine, and I wish I'd understood that's what he was exercising. I'd become very depressed. And uh, I, as some of you know, I've been in the wilderness over... Over a long period, especially at theological college, I was depressed and uh, God carried me through, particularly through a great friend of mine called Sue Rose, who happens to be watching tonight. And, uh, but anyway, a season came in ministry about 10 years ago of great depression. And with it, I became suicidal. I wonder if there are people tonight listening who are struggling with suicide. We want to say God is with you, God is for you. Go and talk to your doctor, talk to someone, get prayer. But let me tell you about my experience. I was on holiday in Cornwall and I was feeling brutally. It was just the darkness and these terrible thoughts tearing away. And I knew that nearby was a vicar who was known for being a bit of a ghost buster, big Dave White. So I contacted him 
and went to see him, you know, Palamine. And in his study, he made me stand up and he began praying for me very powerfully. I rebuke this, I pray against this, blah, blah, blah. you know, all of that stuff, bish, bash, bosh. And then halfway through praying, he stopped and he said, nah, this isn't demonic, this is medical. I believe your heart medication is making you ill. He didn't even know I was on heart medication. He said, you gotta go and see your doctor. Anyway, I was so surrounded by darkness, I didn't, I, I could hardly listen to him. I, the holiday, well, I, I ruined the holiday for the family, I'm sure. And the next week I was thrown back into ministry, so I couldn't go and, I couldn't go and see the doctor. And at lunch, I was doing a conference, at lunch, I'm sat next to this the pastor, vineyard pastor. And I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm all right now, but I've been really ill. I've been suicidal. I said, oh, don't talk to me about that. I know all about that. I didn't say that. I said, go on. He said, I went to see my doctor about it. And my doctor told me it was my heart meds. Now he had my attention. And he said, uh, the particular medication that I was using had made me depressed and the depression had led to suicidal ideation. And it was a known fact that this particular medicine did have that side effect in a percentage of cases. Well, you, you can imagine the, what comes next. It was the same medication and the same dose. I went to see my doctor, we changed the meds and the shadows lifted. Gotta be careful with some of those medication, you know, read the small print. But my friend knew this is not demonic, it's medical. Go to see your doctor about your heart meds. That's prophecy. I wish I'd listened to him. Moving on, words of wisdom. Now, this isn't the wisdom that comes through education or the accumulation of life experience. It's not gained with a gray beard or gray hair. This is specific wisdom that is given in a specific context, like a shaft of light that brings clarity and direction. I think this is what we see with Jesus so often, but particularly on one occasion when the Jewish leaders tried to trip him up and accuse him of uh, either idolatry or of um, backing the, en the enemy, the Romans, saying, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because Caesar was on the coin and Caesar claimed to be a god. And if you handled the coin, you could be claimed for being an idolater if he said yes. And if he said no, they could get him for not being a good sort of loyal, you know, citizen of the ruling emperor. And Jesus said, bring me a coin. And here's the wisdom. He says, whose head is on it? He said, Caesar's. He says, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And it says they marvel and then they left. We need wisdom from God. Wisdom comes uh, hopefully with age and with gray beards and with gray hair and, what, what, and with experience. But God can give you, however young you are, a word of wisdom. A friend of mine rang me up this week. He was in a meeting, he was running a meeting online and he was suddenly faced with a really difficult situation. Someone was talking and saying stuff that was a problem. Some of the people present were texting him as the guy was talking saying, this guy's a problem. And it was all going off. And God, I just sat there, I said, give him wisdom. And God gave him wisdom to just know what to say 
And at the end of it, to smooth things out and indeed to win respect, I think, of both involved. We need to pray for wisdom. And then words of knowledge. Again, this is not a knowledge learned by education or information, but it's a specific revelation, a gift of grace, charismata, a grace gift, a love gift. That is a specific knowledge that God wants to impart, uh, a word that gets to the heart of the matter, a key that unlocks a situation, a vision, it comes maybe a vision, you see it, or a voice, you kind of hear it internally, or a sense, or an intuition, or a, an impression. Behind me, I've got a kingfisher. I think of the word of knowledge a bit like a kingfisher. It just flashes. And you see the flash against the backdrop, uh, 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 you know, the sort of, you know, green and browns and, and you know, oh, Kingfisher. And you begin to get attuned to discerning this word that stands out from, you know, the noise in your head. And it's God speaking a word to you. Again, I think we see this with Jesus, with the woman at the well. And he says to her, go and get your husband. I think that was a word of wisdom. She says, I haven't got one. He says, absolutely, you haven't. You've, you've had five and now you're with another one. She says, whoa, I see you're a prophet. He says, you betcha. And I want to tell you something. So it's a word that unlocks the situation, that unlocks a heart, that imparts God's grace. Some time ago, I was invited to do an evangelistic Bible study at at someone's house and I spent time praying and fasting about it I really got kind of keen about it and I, I sensed God say that there would be a woman present who had a problem with her ovaries well I was a bit tentative about even offering this but I wrote it on a bit of paper and I put it in my bible I went to the meeting and I was dismayed that that there were hardly any people turned up and I thought, oh no, you know, um, you know, there's only a few women here and oh, it was all gonna be embarrassing. But anyway, I, I, I spoke, the Bi I did the Bible study and then I shared this word. I said, look, I, I may have made this up and I'm really sorry and I don't want to offend anyone, but is there any one of the few women here who have been having problems with their ovaries? You know, and I just felt, I felt awful. And immediately a woman stood up and shouted at the host, we were in someone's house, how dare you tell him, I told you not to tell anyone, and ran out into the kitchen. Everyone looked at me as if I'd done something wrong, and I went out into the kitchen with the host. And the host said, I haven't told him anything, how could I? You saw him, you were already here, you saw him arrive and sit down, and he began talking. And what had happened was the woman had come straight from the hospital, and, been, and had x-rays and been told by the doctor that she had growths on her ovaries and in a uterus. And uh, she'd come straight from the doctors, come to this meeting. And um, I, hours before, had written this down and put it on, in my Bible. And she was completely freaked out. And I was able to explain that God had told me this ages, you know, several hours before, because he loved her and wanted her to know that he knows. And it was a word that opened her up to God. She actually became a Christian and she joined our church with her son and her husband. And uh, then when she went back to the doctors and had more, or to the hospital and had more tests and x-rays, 
the scans were completely clear. Well, it is what it is, but that's a word of knowledge. That's a, that it was just a flash like a kingfisher where I had that sense, I wrote it down, I shared it nervously. And on that occasion, there've been many when I haven't been right, it was right. And it was God's way of holding a woman in her, her trial and drawing her to himself. And then lastly, prophecy. Well, in a sense, all of these gifts are prophetic because they are the revealing of God's word and the speaking out of God's word. Prophecy can be foretelling, just preaching, or it can be foretelling, telling the future. Agabus said there's going to be a famine, Acts chapter 11. Um, but prophecy generally is a word that is given to you for your neighbor. A, a re God reveals something to you to tell someone else or to tell the church that will encourage them. And it's a main gift. It says in Acts that when the spirit comes, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And it's to be normal in the church. This chapter 14, I encourage you to read it. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says that he, it's to just happen every Sunday at church. Two or three people, several of them come ready to bring what God has put on their heart and revealed to them. And uh, it's a word essentially, it says in chapter 14, verse 3, that is to edify or build up, to strengthen and to comfort. And he says it's a word that we should be seeking. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially to prophesy. And the, this prophecy, this hearing from God or seeing or feeling or intuiting, God is just wanting to speak something to you for someone else. And I encourage you to seek him for it and then to, to just step over the nerves and, and, uh, and offer it. Let me finish with one last illustration. I was once preaching somewhere, it was at New Wine, full of people, thousands of them. It's one of those terrifying big events I had to do. And I felt the Lord tell me that in my sermon, I wrote it in my notes, I should say, God meets us in the vomit of our lives. I'm really sorry. I know that's awful. But anyway, I stood up and I preached it and you could hear people kind of tense, you know, oh, all the front line of the church leaders all going, oh no. And afterwards, back in the tent, one of the leaders came to me and said, you should not have used disgusting language like that. And I thought, all right, yeah, you're probably right. But I'd felt, I should say, God meets us in the vomit of our lives. Anyway, two weeks later, a letter arrived for me at the parish center. And it went like this. The lady says, you don't know me, but I want to thank you for your sermon. She said, this is my story. I was brought up a Christian, but rejected it when I went to university. And uh, I started drinking heavily and partying, she, and I was a bit of a wild thing. She said, one evening I had drunk a bottle of vodka before I went out, got in the taxi, and immediately with my boyfriend in the taxi, she said, I began being sick. They opened the door and I was vomiting. She said, as I was vomiting, I was just suddenly aware, what a mess I'm in. And I called out to God and said, Jesus, save me. And immediately, she says, I was sober and filled with the spirit and began for the first time speaking in tongues 
praising God. She said the cabbie and her boyfriend thought she'd gone mad, but actually she was filled with the spirit. God met her in the vomit. Years later, she said, things were going bad for her in her life, I think in a marriage. This is all in this letter. She said she went to New Wine, I think just for the day, just for this event. And she, as she walked into the main marquee, she said, God, I'm giving you this one chance to speak to me. Otherwise, I'm out of here. And there she was, one woman asking God to speak to her in a real mess. And as she sat there, the 5,000 people, one word comes out that God wanted me to say for her. God meets us in the vomit of our lives. And that was a word and a testimony. It was a prophecy for her. And amidst the 5,000, she knew she was the one that the good shepherd had gone after in love, reminding her of his grace, reminding her of what he'd done for her in the past. And she recommitted her life to the Lord there and then. So revelation gifts, which are demonstrations. God speaks. God loves God speaks to us. God speaks through us. God wants to draw people to himself. Prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, tongues interpreted and discernment. Let's receive them and then let's bless others with the blessing God gives us.